Kia ora and welcome to 15 Minute Futures, the podcast that explores the future in bite-sized but with a Kiwi twist. It's great to have you with us. Today we'll be jumping right inside the world of virtual reality and augmented reality or VR and AR, exploring the difference between these two things and how exactly it's changing our world. Hi Rob, how are you today? I'm great, Steve, and looking forward to fully immersing myself in this topic. Uh, hey, Steve, uh, tell me a bit about the origins of uh, virtual reality. Um, well, here are three fast facts about the background of VR. Um, the first attempts at VR were actually panoramic paintings, the first one of which I actually saw at about age 14 in, in Poland. Um, often these were sort of battle scenes that sought to give the viewer a more immersive experience of a historic battle so you've got a sense of like a painting all the way around you. But obviously they've become a bit more high tech. Second big fact is uh, the key to virtual reality is actually that our right eye is designed to be set at a slightly different angle to our left eye. So it sees the, the world just a little bit differently, giving us the sense of 3D. And weirdly, people whose eyes aren't offset in this way often actually have difficulty with depth perception. And finally, the first VR headset was actually invented all the way back in the 1960s, though it took a bit longer to come up with the one that actually changed what you could see when you move your head. So that's a bit about the origins of virtual reality. But Rob, what can you tell us about augmented reality? Well, it's sometimes called mixed reality, and it's a little different from VR in that it superimposes an image, sound or text onto reality rather than replacing reality entirely with a completely different image. People can easily access uh, AR using their smartphones, and while VR often requires uh, additional kit or equipment like headgear, goggles, etc. Yeah, okay, so that's sort of the kit and, and what it is, but, but what does this actually mean in practice? What are, the, what are the kind of practical applications? Well, you might remember that craze around augmented reality games like Pokemon Go, and that, that happened quite recently where, where kids were wandering all over the place and getting into spots where they shouldn't playing this game. But there are a few more commercial applications of AR. For example, apps like IKEA Place show and allow shoppers to virtually see how a couch or lamp would look anywhere in their home so they can make sure it fits in the right space and has uh, the right look or, or feel before they make the purchase. Uh, another good example is Sephora. A, a large cosmetics retailer has created an app that lets users see what the products will actually look like on their face. Mm. Kind of good before you invest lots of money in those products. And I uh, think more generally, um, just thinking about uh, global revenue from augmented reality mobile apps, has hit more than 725 million. And in the next few years, say by 2022, estimates suggest that it might skyrocket to over 15.5 billion. So this is big finance. That's right. I guess the big question here is why is VR so very impactful? And, and certainly for me growing up, seeing a, a painting in 360 degrees around me had a much bigger impact than a painting just on a, on a flat canvas. So there's something about having a fully immersive experience that has a much bigger impact on us in the same way as watching a movie has a bigger impact than say reading a book. Have you come across any of, of the kind of impact of VR in this way, Rob? Yeah, I mean, one really powerful example I came across was a filmmaker who was trying to give people a sense of what it would actually be like to be in a war zone like Syria. And using these sorts of technologies, she created a powerful way of getting people to empathize with some of these rather stark images of war that we often get immune to with the constant flood of negative headlines we see in the media. Yeah, I mean, it is 
quite easy to become sort of immune to all of the stuff you see on TV. And, but that's an amazing way to get people to actually feel it again and to care about it again, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think the, the potential of this new text is not just about movies and games either. I mean, if you look at both VR and AR, they have a huge potential to help people learn new skills and to train. One of the original purposes that was used for VR was to put people into flight simulation situations, i.e. to become better pilots. And we're now seeing more and more that that technology applied for those educational purposes. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, and, and I was uh, fascinated to see that you could now go into a virtual reality and practice your, your cricket form uh, and face balls from Shane Warne. And he's actually created a video program where you can do that. And it, it does seem to do what we often thought was impossible, well, I did anyway, which is making exercise and learning new things fun. And it seems to be used more and more in career settings as well, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, let's take things up a notch, Steve. I mean, VR has been used by professionals like doctors, engineers, and programmers, and in many other careers. Imagine how much safer it will all be when surgeons start practicing their operation thousands of times using a virtual reality suite before they take a scalpel to, to you or me, and probably anticipating and experiencing options or things that might go wrong during the procedure well before they start cutting away at our bodies. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. I mean, I was seeing an example at Imperial College Hospital where the surgeons are now wearing Microsoft HoloLens headsets to see a projection of blood vessels, bones and muscles overlaid on, say, a patient's leg and, uh, and the radiologist markings about which vessels they need to actually cut is transforming how accurately they can actually do surgery. So we're really seeing some big benefits now from this technology, but I think it's also worth thinking about the kind of potential for AR and VR to generate new jobs and wealth. I mean, MarketWatch, for example, is predicting that the VR market will exceed $33 billion US by 2020. So there's some big dollars in this industry in the future. Um, do you see any risks or downside with this technology? It's obviously going to be huge, but I guess the thing that makes it so powerful is how immersive it is. But that's also can be a bit scary. You know, it's so seductive that we can sort of design it to be whatever we want. It's, it's that old with great power, great responsibility kind of thing. We can use this for good or, or not so good if we want to. Yeah, we could end up spending so much time living in a fake world that we kind of miss out on the, the benefits and the what is special about having reality and real life. Yeah, it's funny you, you should say that. I mean, there are a couple of really interesting examples I came across where people get so caught up in the realism of the new tech that they end up tripping on cords and, and wiping themselves out in real life because, um, you know, or run out in front of cars where they're chasing imaginary dragons and suddenly they're confronted by real life getting in the way again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But the concerns aren't just physical. I mean, there are also some concerns about the kinds of changes in values or standards or culture that might accompany with people spending more and more time living in an augmented or virtual reality world. I mean, how much time do people spend already searching for dodgy material like porn on the internet or rather, rather than living fully in relationships that, that they have with real world partners, albeit annoying at times? And imagine, given the pressure we already have living up to the impossible standards that we see in Photoshop magazines, how are we going to feel about the way we look when we spend, say, eight to ten hours a day looking at avatars of ourselves, designing ourselves to be as perfect and as beautiful as possible? Some big questions there, I think. 
But more broadly, there seems to be both potential and massive benefits and risks from this new tech globally. Bringing it back to home, what, what do we see the implications for New Zealand, Steve? Yeah, well, I guess there's uh, big opportunities here around the burgeoning film and gaming industry. New Zealand seems really well poised to ride that wave all the way to the bank. We've talked a lot about the huge global market for this new tech, but there's some really interesting examples of this. Uh, while other countries seem to be leading on some of the hardware like HoloLens or Oculus Rift, New Zealand seems to be beginning to get in on the action. And, and who, of course, is doing all this? It's Peter Jackson and Weta Workshops just releasing their Magic Leap headset. So, you know, some pretty big opportunities for us to get in on the action if we're timely about it. Absolutely. There does seem to be a, a real potential here, but I do note there doesn't seem to be much discussion about how government and business can help each other to catapult New Zealand into that kind of pole position globally. Maybe this is because partly it's taking some time for these things to go mainstream, and maybe it's also that we don't really have the infrastructure in place here in New Zealand to make things really viable for big, uh, a big AR or VR industry with profitable applications. What do you think, Steve? In, in my mind, obviously all of this is going to depend a lot on the infrastructure, but there are also big opportunities here. And the question is, how quickly are we going to get on top of it all? Um, and, and what do we need from government and business to really make the most of it? Uh, to be blunt, I think um, government should agree with some practical steps of incorporating AR and VR into our education system and the curriculum. Um, that includes teaching students, but also upskilling workers for the future. So, so think about some of the health and safety applications. I know WorkSafe's got some big challenges at the moment. VR headsets and actually simulating some of those health and safety scenarios and how to manage them would, would be really useful. And look, as always, New Zealand could be looking abroad to what other small advanced economies and countries are doing and shamelessly steal their ideas in this space and scaling them to what works for us at this point in time for our society. I agree with all of that, but fundamentally, I think we need to get the digital backbone to enable this stuff to happen. Uh, we need to move to 5G um, as fast as we can. We need that localized, rapid network that allows uh, these applications to actually work to get relevant local content straight to your glasses or your headset or whatever. And that's only going to happen if we actually have the technological upgrades we need to be at the forefront of this stuff. Look, look, I agree, and here I am podcasting from Greytown, and I don't have a high-speed fiber connection yet, and we're really going to need those super high speeds getting out to the regions if we're really going to embrace and engage with ARV across the country. But what about business? So you're thinking about what, what government needs to support in terms of getting those connections out there, but what do you think business should be doing in this space? Well, we can't pretend that ARV isn't coming and it's not going to have an impact. But our, our local um, retailers are going to end up either getting eaten by global producers and distribution networks like Amazon. And if they're going to avoid being Amazon in the same way that our taxi drivers are getting Ubered, um, we're going to have to think hard about how to embrace this technology. If we use our cooperative instincts combined with the uh, domestic forces in certain industries like clothing, and we develop some common New Zealand business AR and VR tools, we might have a chance of competing more effectively on the international stage. On an international level, what would you say would be the most big thing that we could use to pick this tech up, Steve? I mean, I think there's big opportunities, um, obviously, for government and business here. On an individual level, I'm, I guess, quite... Um, Realistic, VR and AR are really cool technologies, but they're not going to solve every problem we have. 
So we don't want to spend all our time online fully immersed. Let's enjoy it, not get you know a little bit too carried away with it uh, and avoid running out into oncoming traffic. But uh, I think we're beginning to run out of time. So I guess the big question for today is, do we want to embrace a world where we're constantly connected via AR and VR? And I think we need to ask our listeners to go to our website, uh, 15minutefutures.org, or our Facebook page of the same name, and uh, have your say. So that's our 15 minutes nearly up for today. Uh, Rob, do you want to finish up? Well, I think I'll finish up by saying a big thanks to our sponsors, Springload, for digital products that catapult business to the next level, and of course, the good folks at Anticipate, a company that helps you look ahead, plan ahead, and get ahead. Until next time. Thanks, Rob. Hey, good night,